Awesome. All right, Bonnie and Bob, conversation number nine. Um, this is going to be a continuation of what we did last week, uh, which is <laughs> we've been deliberating for a better part of a half an hour about whether we were going to um, continue walking with this conversation because it's so heavy and is pretty fraught with a lot of um, potential uh, potential like harmful and potentially harmful, hurtful, condemning type language, because again, we're talking about the lists of Paul and the ways that Paul outlines certain, what we would call, I guess, sinful behavior within <laughs> the church. And so uh, we have been historically these lists. And what I'm talking about is in most of Paul's letters, he has these lists of questionable behavior, these lists of like, you know, don't, uh, you know, do you not know that, um, you know, the sexually immoral and drunkards and partiers and um, uh, gluttons and greedy people. I mean, he kind of touches on basically uh, <laughs> what it means to be human, the human condition and he says, you know, hey, uh, in one place, he says, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's First Corinthians 6. And then like in First Corinthians 5, he says, hey, and furthermore, when I wrote to you this last time, so there was obviously a letter that went before First Corinthians that he wrote to the church at Corinth. And he said, when I wrote to you last time, I said, don't don't even associate with people like that. He said, I didn't mean out in like the broader area of the world. I didn't mean that because you would have to remove yourself from the world if you weren't going to talk to anybody who has any of these issues or people that experience um, things in excess or or whatever the case is. But he said, no, I'm actually talking about don't associate with anyone who bears the name of brother or sister who is sexually immoral or greedy or is an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard or a robber. Don't even eat with such a one. <laughs> and so um, and that's inside the church. So it like the it actually makes it even worse because it's like, whoa, if you know somebody that's sitting next to you uh, or someone across the aisle from you at church and you know that they're greedy, oh man, uh, don't offer your handshake to them at grace and peace because they, that person should not even be named among you. And um, for what do I have to do with judging of those on the outside? He's like, we're not going to judge those on the outside, but we are called in a sense to judge those on the inside. And so that's a really different type of messaging than what most progressive churches are are preaching right now and what most progressives are trying, if you want to call it progressive. I think I have issue with that even too, because it, it immediately draws a picture of what I'm talking about politically more than it does what I'm talking about spiritually. Um, however, would everybody who's listening Obviously, you're here, so I don't have to say who's listening. You're obviously listening. Um, I wonder if we can go into this conversation with a gentleness of the Holy Spirit and with a sense of peace and with inviting the presence of the wonderful, wonderful Holy Spirit to help us to talk about these things um, because we, you know, whether we talk about it on this podcast or we talk about it in church, people are talking about it all over in our culture right now. 
and using these lists to condemn other people and to draw lines about who's in and who's out and who's loved by God or who's going to heaven and who's going to hell when they die. And in the work that I do and that Bob does, we encounter people who are very, very scared about their what's going to happen to them when they die or what has happened to their loved ones. And that's a lot of the people I talk to is that they've had a loved one who has passed um, and they're concerned because that loved one was um, involved in adultery or involved in um, being uh, consumed with alcohol, perhaps. Maybe that's what killed them. And they are very scared that these people may not have made it to heaven. And so the purpose and the intention of this uh, show today is to hopefully open the door for some more understanding and some maybe a nuanced understanding of what Paul was trying to do with this letter and how we're supposed to understand it today and how possibly <laughs> we don't understand it completely. You know, could that be a possibility that we don't understand it totally? But I think we can help free some people and allow allow you to move forward in your spiritual life and to move forward in your faith and maybe even give you some more rest at night, not up worrying about loved ones or yourself um, with regard to heaven or hell. I want to um, draw on a couple of scriptures right before we jump into the couple of lists, but it's so beautiful that Paul was trying to establish the church in the spirit, establish the church in the ground of love, establish them in um, in the purposes of God. And in writing this, he says in uh, Romans 4, 14, it says, I'm not writing this to make you ashamed, but rather to admonish you as my beloved children. I think that is an interesting intention to remember as we read these text that he was not writing this to cause shame or to make somebody ashamed. And he is also, Paul is kind of a conundrum in some places because he gets really hard. He goes, you know, draws a real hard line around some more morality issues. And then in other places, he's like, hey, all things are okay for me or all things are lawful for me but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise up us by his power. And he goes on, and some a lot of these texts have been used as a weapon um, against people I know they have been used as a weapon against me personally and have brought a lot of fear and condemnation to me over the years. And what I know that Paul was trying to do, as he mentioned, he's trying to remove the shame. He's trying to remove the shame and, and create a healthy and thriving community where, where people can live and be healthy and, and grow and, and know how much they're loved by God and how much they could actually love one another. And 
And instead, some of these words, as they have been translated and, and the way in which we approach these words with our 2023, 2023 um, eyes and culture and looking at these texts that are so old and in completely different time and space. And unless you know the context and you understand how to interpret these texts, it can be very damaging. So with that in mind, we we're we're going to take the plunge. Um, we're going to take the plunge. I, I mean, now that sounds pretty easy, right? I mean, if you guys were on here trying to talk about these lists, what would you say? How would you comfort someone that has a fear that their alcoholic husband um, is in hell? And um, how would you comfort someone who is um, who doesn't want to be um trapped with in their addiction to pornography in whatever form that comes um and is is trapped in in such a degree that it's it's causing them some shame and some regret and guilt how would you comfort someone where the scripture says one thing and you're trying to be a friend or a counselor and and the experience of a person is another and where do we draw these lines and how big can we draw the lines? I think it's interesting that, you know, uh, and, and that's and this is the problem with language. I just said those two things and I didn't even say the other things. We didn't even say the whole list because we didn't talk about revilers. OK, <laughs> I didn't say anything about someone who has an addiction to reviling. OK, or has an addiction to being greedy or who stole uh, some gum off of the shelf at the QT and just can't keep themselves from stealing because thieves are part of that. So what about the person who's a kleptomaniac and they just can't stop? And every time they go somewhere, they have to take a little something and see if they can get away with it. I mean, these are touchy issues, man. This is where people live. This is where people uh, live and drive their cars. Um, they live day in, day out uh, with their phone, with their laptop, with their family. And so I approach this, and I know that Bob does as well, and and you could jump in. Like, this is scary stuff. This can be difficult to talk about it, right? It, it, difficult to talk about the human condition and within this almost deadly book that has been weaponized against people and used as a weapon against people for so many years. And then we want to be loved. I know Bonnie Labak wants to be loved, liked, and I want to please people. That's my, my Enneagram two wing three speaking. I want to serve people and I want people to like me, Bob. I mean, right. Say how are, I mean, you don't want to be hated. Like it doesn't, that's not exactly <laughs> what you want right <laughs> no <laughs> no and more more than that i don't want to i just don't want to injure anybody i don't want to um do what i feel the church has been doing for the last few hundred years um especially since first with the translations the english translations especially and then people who took those English translations and the changing of the English words 
and continued to create division and separation for people from, from God. And what's so ironic, as I was listening to you say all that, what one of the things that you see as a big theme in Paul and Jesus in their teaching is the very reasons for people getting caught up in any kind of sin. Like you're saying, somebody who's a kleptomaniac. Why did, what is the person, if you ask someone, I'm sure, who, who's suffering with that addiction and said, why do you do it? I would imagine it's like I've met people who were had gambling addictions. I'm talking people who were big in the church, had big ministries. And I had no idea this was an issue, but this guy shares with me, I have a major gambling addiction. Everywhere I go as I'm traveling, I and he, and he was making fabulous money because of what he was doing. He was being paid very well. He was very, very well known. I mean, I could tell you this person's name. I never would in a million years, but, and, and a lot of you would know who this person is. And he was paid very well. And everywhere he was going, every town, if it had any gambling, he was going out and spending all of his money. Mm. Just, he couldn't stop himself. And, um, and I and I said, Do you, did you know why? And he said, I have no idea. It hmm. was like, and and I know that that's similar to people that I've known who who were thieves. But again, as you're saying, like a, the kleptomaniac kind, not you know, there's different kinds. Like you know, you see people who are that's their whole livelihood. You know, they're con people, or they are, um, you know, they're like planning burglaries in order to go in and. And just take things from other people because it's a quick, easier way in their perspective. And they think they can outsmart, you know, the police. And so it's a great way to make easy money. Okay. Um, but like kleptomaniacs, oftentimes, it doesn't have anything to do with the thing. It's, as you said, it's, will I get caught? Mm -hmm. It's being able to do it. And, and, it, and oftentimes, the only explanation I've heard is it's similar from one person, she, um, she tried to explain it was similar to a friend she had who was a cutter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She felt so dead mm. that in doing this, it's the only time she felt alive. Absolutely. And that's just so understandable. You know, we have so many people that in our community, especially that, you know, find themselves in a situation of self-harm. And, and I just have all the love and compassion in the world. Um, and, you know, really, as I'm saying, again, this is what the problem is with language. You start to categorize, we start to say one thing, and that's somebody's thing. You know, right. all of a sudden, we've just identified somebody listening. And now it's like, what are they going to say next? Now the heart rate increases, the stomach right. gets tight. The, the, the throat clenches up. It's like, what are they going to do? Again, at the risk of being overly loving and overly communicative, which I don't think we could ever be more <laughs> overly loving or communicative. We, the, the, the position from which we sit and speak 
is is with tears in our eyes and lumps in our throat about the love that that I have as pastor that Bob has as teacher and brother I have as sister I have as as a person who has had my own struggles and still have my own struggles come on nobody yeah. has arrived nobody is without sin that's I thought you were going to say earlier Bob about the language is that you know Paul's approach to conveying um god or church organization is so different than the way jesus did it It, it, what i mean is paul's trying to list and categorize in an effort to organize and clean you know with this group of people whereas jesus was storytelling I and and Bob is shaking is nodding his head. Yeah. yeah. Keep going with that. Jesus was storytelling. Jesus was storytelling about farms and land and seeds and produce and bread and yeast and trees and vineyards. All the things that they could see easily and point to. You know, we don't have the illustrations of how Jesus did his teaching. There's often, I know when I'm overhearing a conversation that somebody's having, I can make up different uh, meanings because I'm not watching how their their physical face, their, their face and their body language and their eyes are connecting with that person. And so they might be um, physically conveying a sweetness while their words might be saying something different, or maybe they're having an inside joke or a reference that only they understand. And maybe right. they have their, you know, like we say, tongue in cheek, or maybe, you know, they, they ha- they're using that. The, maybe they're touching one another in, in a gentle way to say, Hey, I, I want to tell you this, but I want to say this in a sweet way so that you still know that I love you and that, right. that we're okay. I mean, Jesus, the stories that Jesus was were telling, he he rarely went off on lists. And so Paul has these lists that really hang us up. It, you know, and I hadn't really made that comparison. I'm sure you have, but I hadn't noticed that difference in communicating truth. Right. Well, um when I was I, I realized I kind of got off. I started saying how ironic it is that these lists and the things that Paul mentions in these lists, he also in other times, in other teachings to other groups, because again, we just, we only have a tiny window. Paul could have written hundreds of letters Sure. We know he wrote way more letters to Corinth because he keeps mentioning. I've seen lists of people who say the bare minimum. It's like there were five, had to be like five letters. You know, there's he mentions in here the previous letter I had to. Well, we don't know that that was his first. It could have, he could have had 10. Um, We only, we just have a fraction of the letters that he wrote that were captured. And in fact, I know that because there's other early, early church fathers who had more extensive, they literally wrote books and they had other letters and they referenced them that Paul had, um, which I'm trying to get a hold of those, by the way. <laughs> anyway, um, 
But what I was going to say was the answer, Paul, Paul's answer and Jesus's answer to why we do whatever it is we do. And some things are just happen to be more damaging to more people. Some things are more damaging to the individual. Some things might not be hardly damaging to anybody, um, but it's still damaging to the person who's participating in it because all sin at its root, it's from not knowing that you're loved deeply, truly, fully accepted. And well, and I, I, you know, immediately my brain starts objecting to say, well, wait, I don't know that I would like eat less if I knew I was loved. No, yeah. but that's no, like it's, that. it, it's absolutely because again, that's but I wonder perfect, if perfect, I knew, perfect. like, if no, I, or, let's, or let's I, I don't just, know. Because, because <laughs> of eating, that's one of the things that there's so many, so much success coming in the last dozen years or so more and more people are realizing and there's more and more therapies where it's about getting to the core issues of why you eat because yeah. it's actually a satiation of something it's a misplaced satiation you're 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 not being satiated and feeling loved so you eat in order to get serotonin in order to feel the same kind of um rush that you would if you actually knew you were at your core self accepted by someone who you valued. Hey, and that is interesting because Jesus said, um, you know, they come to him like, are you hungry? And he, he said, you don't even know the food that I, that I have is not of this world. Right. But I don't think that in every case when we're eating, we're eating to fill a void emotionally. Obviously our bodies were designed to have food, at least in this dimension and in this space and time. Do yes, I, I don't want to oversimplify and say that some, some um, eating that some people, for instance, do that they know is now fact. Some people eat a lot, but what they're eating because of the foods like the food industry creating things that last on the shelf, creating things that make people want to get more of it, eat more of it. You know, it's, it's a marketing ploy, but it has so little actual nutrition in it that the body's still starving. So it just keeps eating. It doesn't know anything. It just says, I need more food because that's, that's for biologically. The only thing the body knows I need to consume in order to get nutrients. So it keeps eating, but it's what it's searching for. I still haven't found what I'm searching for, the body says, <laughs> so it needs more. But it's similar. It's the same. It's If you think about it in theory, metaphysically, um, philosophically, it's the same thing. You're hungry for this, but you're consuming this in order to get it, but it's not scratching the itch. Oh, my gosh. It's so meaning like I... Always say it's meeting legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. Because Perfect. You, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. It's so, so. it's so beautiful, but yeah. it doesn't mean so. Why did Paul? Okay, as we said last time, when it when he summarizes, and everybody who does this list of things is not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. That has been translated over centuries to mean bad people are going to go to hell and they're not going to go to heaven by by religious. I I would say reductionists right. and so, and so here right so right. I mean so here's but, but there's a reason when, why 
but before we go into to why do we inherit like what does inherit the kingdom of heaven actually mean we we touched on it last week you did a great job of kind of giving this context on inheritance and also on kingdom of heaven but it still did not satiate me for total because you did you did great we don't need to cover inheritance again we don't need to cover that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, basically somewhat interchangeable terms. I think maybe, maybe there's some difference there in what some of what Jesus did and maybe Paul, but for the sake of just being simple, I think that those are interchangeable terms and that Jesus was trying to punctuate that, Hey, that's inside of you. This is not some place that you go when you die. The texts aren't really alluding to that, but I wanted to say this to everyone who's going, but why did we even have to have these lists? And why is Paul trying to delineate um, bad and immoral behavior and uh, against something that's good and healthy. And I just want to provide that, that there's a this context of community. When living communally, which I'm sorry, but nobody in 2023 that is living in our area of the world, in, in Western civilization at large, and specifically in a city like we're living in, and specifically right. anybody who's listening to this on a podcast who has a device and pays for that device, you are living in somewhat of a civilized situation. Money right. is, is used to buy things. You um, probably work or use your, your hours in, in ways that somehow you get money to buy and, and trade. You're not like making... Murdering, not going <laughs> to a market. You're not living in a small community and that you've lived in and you're you great, basically great, great grandfather lived in and there's only rely people there you basically and, rely on yourself and how you can give your time in return for and give your time and intellect give your time intellect and some other thing so, to get some co- sort of currency to buy other stuff that you need and so I think that communal living is so lost on us in Tulsa specifically that we don't even understand that 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 the, the the people to which he was speaking, they relied upon one another for their right for their community, for their well-being, for their health. You know, sex, sex and conduct were critical to communal life, to a healthy communal life. Having healthy sexual conduct and healthy uh behavior toward each other were they were pivotal. It was life or death. And I mean, imagine <laughs> we could go down so many rabbit holes here, but let's keep going. But I think that if I had to like have a tender spot in my heart for Paul and why Paul was trying to do what Paul was trying to do with these letters is is one, he was trying to make a distinction between them and the the society at large that they were living in and like the multiple gods, the multiple things and the pagan kind of approach to to life and he was trying to carve out a niche for himself he was trying to carve out like hey we have jesus we have this way of living that is different and we're called to a higher thing and if i have a tender spot for paul he's just trying to say hey let's not be like uh you know we're trying to make a name for ourselves here we're trying to make a people for ourselves we want to be different from what the rest of society is doing and that is understandable it it but what is not understandable is how people today who are trying to make names for themselves and trying to make community for themselves try to condemn and weaponize these texts against others for their sexual conduct or or what have you. However, 
the essence of the lists, I believe, still is worth communicating. But that our actions, my Aunt Judy used to say this to me all the time, your actions will have at least one consequence on one other person. Before you do anything, think about who this is going to impact and how before you make a decision outside of your own body. Because we are not an island unto ourselves, and our actions matter. So I, if I had to just like dumb it down completely and go, why, why did he say this? He's trying to create a healthy, thriving community that is not fraught with lawsuits, quarreling, uh, bickering, factions, fractions, you know, ill health. I mean, imagine the sexually transmitted diseases. Imagine the different things that were that would be so easily communicated you know, and they were, they had a real weird way of looking at sin too. I mean, they, they thought about it as a contagion. I mean, like if one person's doing this, this might rub off on us. Well, it's not too weird because a lot of people today think that if (laughs) a person that they disagree with goes, you know, hangs around with them too much, they might be gay too, or something. Who knows? I mean, the the gay is contagious or something. Um, Go ahead. You, you had lifted up your phone and I wanted to hear what you were going to say. Um, so, um, quickly going back to the people, just because so, I don't want to leave them hanging. We've specifically mentioned like gamblers and cutters and and um, kleptomaniacs. And the the thing is, don't forget revilers and revilers. The the addict those addicted to reviling. Um, so. Which is basically injuring someone's reputation by. Uh, denigrating and abusive insults. Right. It, we would today call it a sl- also a, like a slanderer um, saying falsehoods and or repeating even true things, but that is none of your business to be repeating. Oh, when you say bad that. things about people, we say, we say gossip is sometimes people say, well, gossip like in the Bible is another thing. The only time is if it's a lie. No, that's not true. Because again, it says what Jesus said and what Paul said is that there's a new truth in town. Now that Jesus has died and he's made all mankind born, we, we are now all born again by the spirit. That's a, I just blew up everybody's, a bunch of people's theology. But when Jesus died, he pulled all of humanity with him. And so we were all born again when Jesus was raised from the dead. But in that reality, um, people don't know it yet. People haven't come to find it out yet. Their eyes have yet to be open to that. And if their eyes are not open and they don't know it and they don't even know what it means, it does them no good. And that's why Paul said there are teachers and pastors and there's that's what the gifts of the Spirit of the of the pastoral gifts and whatnot are for are to be the ones to explain to you what has happened but um when you are not walking in that reality when you haven't come to uh begin to have your eyes of your spirit man opened to the reality of what christ has done what God through Christ has done for all of us and therefore why God did it, which is because of his magnificent love for us. If people haven't been awakened to that, they then are still, they have a deep hunger inside. They have a, 
unsatiated thirst they are, that needs to be quenched. And it's what the Bible throughout the Old and the New Testament had been metaphorically saying, come, you who have no money, and get food that has no cost. Drink water that I give you. I'm living water that once you get me, you won't thirst again. Well, obviously, you're going to need to drink water again, this water. But he's obviously saying, I literally am, I have a kind of water that the thirst that's causing, like in that instance, when he said that to that woman, this woman has been married five times. So she has a, she has something that this need that she keeps going to the same well, men, but it's not being fulfilled. She's not getting satiated. And he's like, I'm now going to be your, and he said in the sixth one you're with now, you're not married to, but it, Jesus is now the seventh going to be her seventh husband you know it's a again another beautiful uh, uh i've always numerical. thought that we, we haven't understood that totally perfectly like we think it's the woman who can't get satiated she keeps going from man to man and i just wonder if there was something else going on that you know that maybe there was a restlessness or but i don't think i i just have a i don't know a, a different perspective like i just feel like something else was going on there that perhaps i wonder if she was just like had had such a voice and used her voice in such a way that no man would keep her around because she wouldn't hand you know put up with their crap i mean i don't i just i just oh, it could be it could be anything but don't ruin my metaphor all no, right there you go you got you go ahead go no, ahead getting to us sorry i didn't mean that it was just it was it was just no, i love it That's so, what, oh. um so uh so we have the, the reason people do these things, whatever it is, whatever flavor of, of their addiction, it's in order to try and resurrect this deep knowing that they have, that they are supposed to be deeply loved. Everyone, the scripture says, I think it's in, what is it in Hosea? That it says, I have put eternity within mm. all men's hearts. And so that that knowledge that you are an eternal being, that you are eternally loved, that you're loved with a eternal love, a unending love, that's all by design, by God. And so it it's naturally in the world that Adam created by his his trying to usurp God's plan of you need you're you're to be like me in the universe this beautiful loving um creative being but you're trying to do it apart from me and it mm -hmm. won't work but but i'm gonna i'm gonna bow to that because that's what love does like even a parent we will go sometimes it's like you know what the best lesson I feel right now I can do for you is I'm going to let you do exactly what you think you you must do because I can tell I'm not going to dissuade you. And that you come, and that's what, again, that, that term that you see in the stories of Jesus over, they came to the end of themselves. The, the prodigal came to the end of himself and he realized, what have I been doing? And finally saw his father in a different light. And boy, did he get a big surprise when he got home. And it was way better than he even imagined. He was just hoping to be, as the Bible keeps talking about, as Moses did, all the best he could do was see God 
and him as a servant to God. And yet what we end up finding out is, no, God wants to be the serving parent to us. Mm. And um, that's what we're all hungry for. And that's really all these lists are about is really the scratching itches within, with, in, in, with different things. And Paul's trying to go, guys, you're, you're forgetting, you're, you're, you're missing our elemental point. And he, he says, you're like little kids. You're still infants. You, you still haven't drunk. I have to keep giving you milk. And again, the milk is, that's the core beginning, but it's what's interesting is the milk at the beginning is that you're loved. You're ultimately the beloved of the father. What Jesus says though, to the mature church in the book of revelation at the end, end, end of the Bible, he says to those in the one town, he goes, you're doing everything so good. You're, you're caring for widows and orphans. You're doing all these things. I only have one thing against you. One, one little thing. And that is you've forgotten first love. And again, then and I've heard so I've, I looked it up one day. I kept looking and I looked up. I found 10 different messages on YouTube pastors talking. I said, what is first love? And I found all these things. You know, every one of them was the same thing. They said, it is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbor is yourself. I'm like, uh, that's, that's, too the, bad. that's the yeah. old dead religion. The one that God, Jesus came, the old covenant was that you do good, get good. The old covenant was you you give a sin offering and you bribe God into, into you know, uh, accepting you. The old covenant was um, uh, this you, it, it, go ahead and try. You love the Lord your God with all your mar- heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. And your neighbor as yourself. And what you come to the end of, and Jesus goes, and it goes even further. Now I'm going to tell you, you got to do, you can't even think thoughts and all these things. And he's like, he's just trying to, at the end of this the law, which the law was just simply for us to wake up, slap ourselves and go, wait a minute, I can't do that. That's right. And you, and, and it was to bring you to the end of yourself to realize I, like Adam, cannot be who I was designed to be. I'm falling short of the glory of God. That is to be like God. And the only way I can do it is to be reconnected permanently with love itself well, that was the, the purpose of the law that we all talk about in the hebrew scriptures the purpose of the law was to make bring sin to light to bring to right. bring sin it's, and I'll, to bring I'll, I'll the ministry of death for you to yeah. die to yourself thinking that you can do it because some you might be able to do one or two things but you can't do them all and you certainly then jesus goes and by the way if you thought you're getting off i'm going to make it even tougher you can't even be thinking it because what you think you'll eventually do too. And, and people are like, well, okay, then I'm done. That's why even his disciples so many times, you know, they go, well, then how can anybody get saved? You know, when they, he would say certain things to certain people and he's right. like, it can only come as a gift. That's why Jesus kept going. It only comes when you're connected to the father. It's a gift. It, but it, you're already it, connected. I mean, uh, I mean, I think two things can be true at the same time. Two things can be true at the same time. You can both be connected already by a divine act put upon, you know, on behalf of you, you are connected to the Trinity, to God, to the Trinity. But then you may not know it, but it's still That's true. Right. It's still you true. You have so a billion dollars in an account that was left for you, 
But if you don't know it or the or the number how to access it, it does you no good. Yeah, you and may that's exactly know. literally. He says all the everything you need is yours because of the riches. Well, Why and, he then, left it all for you. Okay, but then conversely, you may know that going to that working out a certain number of minutes or hours per day or moving your physical body or eating certain foods could help you and make you healthy. But you may you don't do know it. that, but right. if you don't do that, you don't get the benefit of it. And that was all James. That's what the whole book of James is about. When everybody's right. like, James and Paul were at with each other. No, he wasn't. James yeah. is just saying, well, yeah, you have, you can have faith. You can have this understanding. You can see the kingdom and how it works. But if you don't walk in it, you'll never benefit from it. How could right. you? Having knowledge of how to, how to be, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger body. But never going and doing his workout is never gonna. You, it just, just know the knowledge alone doesn't cut it. Doesn't you cut it. But I mean, I think that's what we're we're called to participate in. And people, I think, have shied away from some of these texts because they're hard to grapple with. They're they're hard to have a relationship with these texts. And I I just wonder if we can get back to. Um, you know, I, I think some people. I know for me, I always wonder. Well if I could just know that I'm loved even more and somehow feel that more, and if somehow I can just be connected to God more, then maybe I won't do all the things I don't want to do. The things that I know are unhealthy for me, the things that I know are compulsive at times, or the things that I know hurt other people. Maybe I would never ever revile again if I just knew more that God loves me. And I, I think that, eh, ah, so here's the, here's the thing. Now we're going to get into this nitty gritty. So what Paul said, Paul said something else. See, it's not just knowing. He said it's also wrong beliefs about God. They're still there. They're nagging thoughts. So he said one of the things we have to do is we have to pull down every single stronghold that it salts itself against the true knowledge of what God is like. In other words, what he was saying there is, I need to let you know, you have some still some clinging false beliefs about who God is. And because you have that in your conscious mind, your subconscious mind is never going to let you actually go and participate in communion with the Father. Much as your conscious brain goes, I want to do that. I know that if I know I'm loved, I will it, scratch the itch that I have and I'll stop going and doing these dumb things. But the, here's the thing. So this is one of them. This thinking, and and it's this is where then um, understanding these words and these culturally the what these concepts and these these colloquialisms mean is highly critical. And kingdom of God is a huge one because every time kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven is the same. Again, they're interchangeable. There's many, many theologians. In fact, sometimes literally when you look at the Greek, it will say kingdom of God and they'll still translate it kingdom of heaven. But, but the reason is because it's so it, it is it is the one in the same. Um, so. Um, what people don't. Um, you usually aren't taught. The, the people who we've been entrusting to teach us the truth about the Bible 
pastors and teachers and, and um, Bible te teachers and Bible schools and theologians for hundreds of years now. Um, and what's interesting is actually at the upper academic in theology, they know that this that the stuff that's being taught in most churches is inaccurate. Um, I mean, you look at N.T. Wright, you look at a lot of these people, and they, they know the, the, the real reality, but most pastors don't ever study very much to be able to get to the crux of what's really, what the Bible's really talking about and what these terms meant. And so for hundreds of years now, the church has just been wallowing in horrible doctrine, horrible theology, which has um, allowed these doctrines about eternal torment and all that to just run rampant in the church. And um, well, and I would and like to add just a little bit more to that. You know, we're we are coming from a certain positionality that comes from a conservative, evangelical, mainstream, non-denominational Christian church. Um, where a lot of those pastors were not very um, exposed to higher education in some instances, especially in rural communities and rural churches, where they didn't right. have that, that advantage. And so they preached a very simplistic, very simple gospel. It's heaven. You do good. You go to heaven. You accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. And you just go on down the road. Now, now then there are major major denominations okay we can start listening to the baptists and some other things and even the catholics all right so primarily the catholics who are very educated have tons of uh, letters behind their names and higher higher degrees and still uh translate these scriptures in that way so right. I, it's not it's not necessarily For reason. Um, and, that, and it's actually again a lot of times where the other ones got it because that's where it first began to really flip around I didn't want to throw them under the bus because I just don't don't you know feel it's necessary for me to do that. But but that is oftentimes where a lot of that came from uh, in its in its original um, you know four or five hundred years ago it really began to to catch fire so to speak. Huh? Um, <laughs> Ta -ta. So, I need these um, sound effects. All right, but I'm bunch. So the kingdom of heaven, when you understand in context, when and 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 I would ask anybody who really wants to look at that, that's a huge one that can start to unravel um, uh, this the things that were people are so holding on and, and can't seem to let go of a hell of eternal torment. If you go and look at and just do a study on Every, every scripture that has kingdom of heaven and every scripture that has kingdom of God in it. Um, and oftentimes you'll see in different, depending on the translation, that they are interchangeable, even amongst translations. Um, you'll find that what that's talking about, and it, and it talks about in the age, in the coming age, it keeps talking. You'll find age and kingdom of God almost always within, uh, you know, the, in the same communication. When Jesus is talking, like in Matthew 8, um, I tell you, I have not found such um, anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west to take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, what is what is this feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven? That is all 
terminology that when you read the Old Testament, it's talking about the coming age when the messianic kingdom is established on the earth. It isn't talking about a spiritual plane outside when you die and in your body on some other existence after an afterlife. It is talking about an actual real here on this planet kingdom of God. They were all expecting the Messiah to come and the kingdom of God to be ushered in when all the kingdoms of the world are are put under the dominion of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, i.e., uh, aka Messiah. So he was. That's what about... the kingdom of God is. Okay. In this context, has nothing to do with heaven. In so this the context, reason, the, the confusion came in when they started calling it the kingdom of heaven, but it's actually synonymous with the kingdom of God, which is the messianic kingdom. So in this list, he says oh, that is so, physical, so, a real thing. So he was still drawing a boundary. Yes. So you're in not going to get to be part of the leadership if you're running around being a drunkard. That's what Paul's talking about in Corinthians, because he's like, guys, they really believed. I it would take a long time. It would take a huge teaching, but I, 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 I it can be done to show you that that's what all the early believers, the ones who were writing, um, Peter, uh, James, Paul, all of the um, epistles, these these letters to the churches, these are, they're, they're, they're communicating to these people because they really all believed the kingdom is just about here. The Messiah is just about here. If we can just hold on, I know it's hard. Paul's like, I know it's tough, but it's, Jesus is almost here. And as soon as he comes, it's all going to change. We're going to be, we're going to, everything's getting flipped on its head. Those that are in, they're going to be out. They're going to be weeping and gnashing going, no, we want to be in there. But they were, Jesus, Jesus was saying to them, he's like, you guys have been abusing your position as leaders of, of the church and you're not going to be here. They're people that I'm talking to. These, these people that you look down on, these, these former prostitutes and these, these former lepers and these former blind people and former lame people and former dead people. And you know they're the ones that are going, I'm calling those and taking the weak things of the world. And I'm going to confound you wise ones. And they're the ones that are going to be ruling and reigning his own disciples. You hmm. look at it. It's crazy. He's okay. Fishermen. And so, he's like, you guys are going to be ruling with me in the world. I'm sure that, Imagine the Pharisees are going, are you joking? These guys don't know. They don't even know. the. They can't even speak good Hebrew. Well, they can't. They don't know anything. They haven't um, established themselves. They haven't proven their intellectual capacity. They haven't studied. They haven't done a lot. They haven't been in the discipline that these guys were in. That's who they thought were going to get to rule. And Jesus is like, it is not. The rule is coming from the heart. God's God as it was in the Old Testament. Who did who did the, the prophet went? Goes to Jesse and says, Bring me all your sons. He goes, Good deal. I got lots of great sons. And every one of them, and he goes, Nope, 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 not the king. And he goes, You got any others? And he goes, Well, I got the little shepherd kid. I mean, but come on, he's 13. And he might not even be mine. I no. 
And so he finally, he goes, well, God told me it's in your family. And it, uh, he's already, he's told me as you brought him forth and it's not one of these. So they finally go and they bring him up and he, and he shows up and he's stinking like a, you know, like a sheep. And he goes, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody and his brothers and his own dad are embarrassed. He's like, no, that can't be right. That's so that's cool. How God does it. Oh, that's such a good way of uh, that word embarrassed. Like they were embarrassed, like it was an embarrassment. And it's like, I think that touches more for me on how confounding the grace of God is, because it's the things that I'm even embarrassed of. God wants to lift and bring to light and wants to live and include and relate to and relate with. There's some way that this, that this upside down kingdom brings to the front what was obscure and embarrassing and and i'm not sure how that all that works out all the time but it it kind of touches that word embarrassment really touches on how how that works and i'm wondering if some of these lists if we find ourselves having these lists maybe we have of course we do have this list living on the inside of us and we're participating in this list um maybe in the past maybe now maybe we are stuck in certain parts of the list maybe we have you know what does it mean to not inherit the kingdom of heaven if you participate in this list my my understanding is there are consequences to our actions that we have to understand inside of relationship with other people and in relationship with ourselves. Right. And that the it's actually the shame of that, the guilt of that is its own consequence. It it actually yes. it, it it is the consequence and it actually I mean you said okay if you're a drunkard you you can't be in leadership. Well that's just actually true because the the, (laughs) it's not that like oh let's see let's ask people if they're drinking all day on the job no you don't have to ask somebody like your your own like the bible says your sin will find you out like your but somebody's going to eventually notice that you're completely toast by 10 and you no longer have the capacity to follow through on deadlines or follow through on meetings and you can't have cohesive conversations and you don't remember what happened yesterday. I mean, these right. kinds of things just sort of disqualify a person right. by their own disqualification, by their own actions. It's not that God is holding the door to heaven closed because you have killed yourself early because you 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 couldn't keep away from this that's not what we're talking different things going the the afterlife and this what jesus and paul are talking about here of the kingdom of heaven are are just worlds apart paul dealt with the afterlife in lots of other places but it has nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven this is strictly and so see here's the beautiful thing when you get that, that truth and suddenly you go, wait a minute, that's what it's talking about? Well, that would make sense. I don't think anybody should who's a swindler should be a leader or a drunkard should be a leader. Like, or, I don't want. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want. But then you like, suddenly go, wait a minute. Leader, well, then that's common sense. 
well, that's a God I can, I can get on, on that side of a God like that. That's like, okay, that makes sense. And then Paul's like, no, in the death, that's something totally over here. And we could talk about that on some other podcast, but it's like then. But I mean, you can imagine, Bob. Heavily, you, you can go, imagine. Oh, now I can people, approach a God like that. You, and you so can now imagine you can approach people in our own. I mean, imagine me as pastor being just completely hooked on reviling. Like, I'm just going to share all my counseling sessions with everybody else in the church. Right. I am going to speak badly about people's reputations behind their back. You know, my community wouldn't last very long. No, it, no one would trust me. It would implode. It, no one would want to share anything with me. You know, nobody can trust my, my professionalism would, would just tank. My reputation in the community would tank. Everything would go. I mean, it's just the consequence of actions. It's not that I'm not going to go to heaven when I die, because again, we're talking about two different things. We're talking yeah, that's about totally. That's a, that's another a transformation into a whole other realm. That is another part of the maturation of the human species. That's just, but it's a completely separate thing. Has not the two have well, nothing in common. I think it's important to note that there is a high, a higher level, a higher way of experiencing life in this dimension. And it's when our eyes begin to open to the love of God and our connection yes. with God. And when our hearts begin to grasp the immensity of our connectedness with God and with each other, we begin to, um, we begin to function from love and instead of fear and we right. function from generosity and grace instead of scarcity and blaming that's, and shaming. And I think right. that's what we're all wanting for every sector of our municipality. We want people who understand that they are the beloved and that they, right. that all are the beloved. Yes. And, and that, that's you, what they keep saying. And all the, the only thing they want to do is like Paul said, I just want you to understand who you are, whose you are, so that you can be what you are and um, bring life and light and healing, help and hope to the to the yes. world. And, and then, you know, and then and do not. that to more people, because Paul's like, I'm just an apostle. I'm I'm not even hardly ever there. In fact, most of his letters were from jail. He's like, I'm never going to see you again. But I need I really need you guys to 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 wake up and start being mature because. I'm not going to be here much longer. <laughs> and I mean, I think in his attempt, you know, as as um, divisive as some of these things can sound, um, his intention was in the right place. He was trying to get a community going in the again, right. Going back direction. to the original thought, community. These you have to understand. Again, this is another thing. Corinth at that time, that it was one of the biggest cities around, had ninety thousand people in it. But this church community that Paul's talking to. We're talking a few dozen people. These are tiny wow. community churches. This is, they didn't have mega churches like we have today. Wait, so if you had like 10 people in your little house church and everybody's sleeping together. Yes, there's literally a family. This is a, you told, I'm telling you, like what you said, living in a community, a commune, there are there are people still living in communes. And when they lived in communes, it is literally one big family. 
that's the only people Paul said that ever get to judge each other because you're family. I mean, you in your in a family, you judge each other. You're like, hey, why are you stealing Susie's? You know, stop. You keep getting into her piggy bank. You know, two uh, two two siblings, two two twelve year old, two twelve and a thirteen year old, and they have a six year old, and the twelve year old is going to rebuck the, and and call out the thirteen year old. You're stealing from from our little sister. Yeah. I watched you go in there. Take well, that's judging. But rightly so. For I mean, sure. but he's like, but don't be, he said, don't judge those outside your community. You don't have any right. That's not, that's not your job. But that's the well, kinds of stuff that's going on I appreciate, here. It's like you got to get your head around this. I appreciate judgment, especially when it comes to sour milk. And when my wife can help <laughs> me because I don't always, I, I'm not always a smelling and tasting person. And so I always, I sometimes take the cream to her and say, is this still good? And and she judges it good or not good. And I yeah. really appreciate the value uh, <laughs> judgment on the cream that I'm getting ready to put in my coffee. So um, I think that all of these things in, in context and understanding what was in the intended and what and the context of them and how to interpret them rightly. And this is what it means to to rightly divide and rightly judge the word of truth. And um and if it comes out in the end that we're condemning somebody's identity or condemning somebody as as a whole person and and declaring them unrighteous or unloved or unlovable by God or doomed, um, none of those things will ever be true. That's that no true. one will ever be unlovable. No one will ever be unloved. No one will ever not be beloved of the Father. No one will ever be doomed. But All I really don't want, are, I don't want, I don't want my, my person you want to get into politics. No, no, I don't want people. To, but this leadership that he was talking about, that they were anticipating as a soon and coming thing and what Jesus was talking about. And it is a real reality. It is going to happen one day um, where Christ is going to return, but it's not the way that it's been taught. And we can go into that some other time, but he will be coming to set up a kingdom here on the earth and, and and making it more manifest to everybody. It's already been here. It's it's continued to be here. It's never gone away because he said that the end of his kingdom will know no end. It will always be growing. It's just not everything that we see, the big denominational churches, that all that is not Christ's kingdom. Well, and I think it's interesting but, that Jesus was pointing us inside. He was pointing to us and saying, the kingdom of you won't look here and see it there and see it out here and out externally. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And he's pointing to directly and directing us internally, um, which is an interesting concept to consider. Um, That's a whole other message. But yeah, because what is the kingdom? It's a place where the king rules. And whose kingdom is this? God's. So it's in people who God rules their lives. That's where the kingdom of God is. And so per potentially this list um, and him saying that, it, even though that was not his context, he was not saying those people that do this list are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He wasn't talking about the one we were just talking about. He was talking about this actual physical realm. But I think what's interesting, if we take it in our own context and understanding kingdom of heaven is within us, if we are taken under the dominion of anything and any behavior in our life, 
that is shame producing and guilt producing it, we don't allow the redeemer to redeem us from the shame and the guilt that that behavior has uh you know is a consequence of that behavior for us mentally right. so, so we don't get to inherit the lordship of jesus within our system within our and the shalom that it brings and everything and else. the shalom all right and the shalom and the peace and the health i mean it it it, it would be awesome you know if if uh if if we had that kind of fruit of the spirit that the the fruit of the spirit of the self-control and the gentleness and the kindness and the goodness that that overabundance fruit that doesn't come from us trying it comes from the spirit indwelling and effusing in from us man that would just be great if we all had boundaries the way we all need to have <laughs> and that's that's the term that's a whole nother word but that has been misunderstood but it's the word sanctification that's what that means you be all those things that you just mentioned are literally the result but they only happen when we when our subconscious mind can bring down and our imagination bring down the false thoughts we have about god because the truth about who he really is comes in and then we naturally then when we see that god we're we we like i like that god we imagine him and we imagine him good and our imaginations literally which is the bible calls it your heart you you will naturally be gravitated towards that and then without your even working there will be no sweat involved you begin to manifest the fruits of the spirit that's what paul said that's yeah. the the just the, the a, a in a nutshell paul's teaching on sanctification awesome. pulling down the false things about god You'll not, you'll see him in his true light. You'll be, you'll, you, you'll be insatiably drawn towards him because that's what he is. He's so beautiful and good and, and lovely. And then you just naturally, you know, you're plugged in. Now you just naturally start producing fruit of the spirit. <laughs> Bing, bang, boom. And Abraham is, we can talk about Abraham sometime. That's what happened in Abraham's life. He didn't get it till the end. And then as Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and it made him exceedingly glad. Oh, and that's see, so that's what suddenly he then he bore a baby at night at you know hundred years old. It's so beautiful. This type of bearing the fruit of God. Well, you know, this hopefully was help. It was helpful, um, and and hopefully you captured our intention to not condemn anybody who's on the list, um, and to not even put the list as the main thing that we have to try to get worked out in order to go to heaven. Hopefully you heard that what the context of those lists were and that we have no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's everybody. There's no condemnation for you as you are already placed inside of Christ Jesus by the father. And if you have questions about the list or the things we've mentioned today, or if you if some part of you is thinking uh, maybe you need some help or support and it's been difficult to talk about uh, some things in your life that perhaps you have been in relationship with that you no longer wish to be in relationship with, but you just don't know how to get out, would love to help support you um, with the resources that we have available um, and maybe the first resource is just a simple conversation to talk about the thing that's ailing you and and if it's not ailing you 
and and you find freedom, then then let your faith be between you and God. And God understands and love knows the whole story, as always. Love knows the whole story and knows uh, just exactly why uh, each of us do the things that we do. Love knows the whole story. And the, the tender love and the invitation of God will never, ever expire. Um, it, you, you'll never run out of uh, grace. You can't outrun the grace of God and you can't outrun um, I don't think the grace of Bonnie or Bob, um, I think the expansiveness with which we engage in friendship and relationship is pretty big. And I haven't met anybody that I've that I've drawn the line uh, on the inside of yet. So um, I, I hope this has been helpful. And if you have questions, of course, please come. If you have comments and, and things that you want to add, we'd love to hear those. And uh So until we have another conversation again, and this being conversation number nine, this has been pretty, it was like a, I don't know, tap dancing through a minefield, um, (laughs) tiptoeing. It wasn't tiptoeing through the tulips, I don't think. This was (laughs) dancing. The tornado. Uh, It's like grenades being thrown at us. Um, Until we meet again. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, the shalom of God, that status of being completely and fully whole with nothing missing and nothing broken, may that peace rest and settle upon your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen.